you stand with me? Let's read Genesis 25. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. We'll go through verse, uh, chapter 25, verse 18, so we'll wrap that up. But let me read Genesis 25, and we stand in honor of the word of God. God said he exalts his word above his name. And so even in, in Ezra and Nehemiah, they stood as the word was, was read. And so, Lord, we are praying that you bless your word now. So Genesis 25, verse 1. Abraham again took a wife. This is after Sarah had died. And her name was Keturah. And she bore him, and then there's, there's these names, which I won't try and pronounce. And then verse 4. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. I wonder if Abraham rapped. Um, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zophar, the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased for the son, from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried, and Sarah his wife. It came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahoi Roy. So, Lord, again, we love your word, and we know that this is not just a, another book. It is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between the thoughts and intents of our hearts. It's a light to our feet, a lamp to our, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And so many things. It's our manna, our meat, our milk. It's a seed that has everything in it to bring forth life. So, Lord, we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Give us ears, I pray. Give us a yieldedness to your truth. That we're not walking in darkness, we're not deceiving ourselves, but Lord, you're able to speak to us even as you did the churches in Revelation all through. You want to speak to us, you want us to hear your voice, know your voice, and follow you. And that's our desire. Lord, we would also pray, if there's anyone here listening to your word who has not responded to the gospel, they've not responded to your invitation to be forgiven of their sin, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and given this new life, being born again by the Spirit of God, being able to say, have the right to call themselves your son or your daughter. We are asking that you, even today, as we're going through the word, would speak to their hearts, draw them to yourself. We know you love them, died for them, and desired they would know you and walk with you. So, Lord, we pray for them this morning. We pray for your blessing over the things I prepared. Break them fresh. Feed us. We're hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So Abraham left an inheritance to his son Isaac, but it was far, far greater than all the riches of the material blessings that he had. And he was a very wealthy man. So the inheritance of a legacy of faith in God. And when we talk about leaving a living legacy, really, as believers, we want to leave a legacy of faith in God. Would you say amen to that? That we believed God, we followed him, we obeyed him, we grew in our faith in trusting him with our very lives. So Isaac was the recipient of such an inheritance because he was a chosen, the chosen, promised son and sole heir of God's covenant promises to his father Abraham. Now Jesus is our, he's the reason that we, we're, we're, we're heirs of the inheritance as we'll look at this morning just a little bit. So Isaac is very closely linked 
to his father Abraham. All, all, all the way through it. Genesis 21, when he was born to his father in his old age. In Genesis again 21, when his father circumcised him on the eighth day. In Genesis 21 again, when he was weaned and his father made a great feast. He loved Isaac, as he did also Ishmael. Uh, when to his father's dismay, again Isaac and Abraham, but his father's dismay, his half-brother Ishmael was cast out. And Isaac is seeing all these things and, and seeing these things happening. When his father, chapter 22, as we looked at, when his father offered him to God on Mount Moriah. Incredible chapter. In Genesis 24, when his father sent his servant to take a wife for Isaac. We looked at that last couple studies. In chapter 25, now his father gives all that he has to Isaac. And so when his father, in what we're looking at this morning, when his father breathed his last and died, the time had now come when it was now Isaac's legacy to pass on to his children. So this morning, as we consider this for ourselves and our families, I think it's an important consideration that what am I leaving as a living legacy to those people in my family, my children? So after Sarah's death, verses 1 through 4, Abraham took another wife, one of his concubines named Keturah. So in, after this miraculous conception of Isaac with Sarah and he being in their old age, after all that happened, Abraham fathered several more children. In fact, a whole other family through this woman Keturah. So it was just as God had promised he would do to Abraham. In Genesis 17, it says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abraham. Can we have that scripture up there? And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But now he's changing his name. Father of many nations. You shall be it shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And so some of these family names, these nations that are in here, are mentioned more than just the genealogy. For example, Midian 41 times in the scriptures. Now, Ab uh, Moses' wife came from Midi the Midianites. Zipporah was her name. You have Sheba 33 times. You have uh, Dedan 11 times. Keter, now we'll get this in verse 13, is mentioned 12 times. So these are all descendants of Abraham. So in Exodus, Moses is fleeing, and he's in the, the, this area of the Midianites, and he takes a wife from them. Now, many nations, we're talking genetically speaking, have Abraham as their ancestor. And they look to that. Here's a, I wanted to give you this passage just because I was, it's just a fascinating thing. Isaiah prophesied that some of these descendants that were sent away will return in joyful worship to participate in the future restoration and glory of Israel. So this is prophetic. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The, dro the dromedaries of Midian, there it is, Ephah mentioned, and those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks, there's another one, Kedar, shall be gathered together to you, the rams of Nebioth, 
shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. It's speaking prophetically, I believe, of the future restoration and glory of Israel. Now, we as Christians, born again into the family of God, we look to Abraham, spiritually speaking, as our father of the faith. He has handed, given us inheritance. And so we read in Romans 4, 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise that might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, the Hebrews, the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So are we following the faith of Abraham? We're looking at that this morning. We want to leave a legacy of faith in God. Well, it's following the faith of Abraham which is what we're going to look at. So all of these things are just what, as God promised they would be. It's fascinating. It's incredible. It began, at least in part, major part, with Abraham. Abraham believed God and was accounted him for righteousness. He just believed God's promises. See, our faith is anchored in God's faithfulness. It's anchored in God's promises to us. And so we need to understand and it's important that we begin, that we're growing in our faith to understand, how does this thing work? How do I leave a legacy of faith in God? I'm going to give you a few ideas this morning. Verses 5 and 6. It says, Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Notice. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines. So he gave all he had to Isaac. He gave gifts. Gifts was a one-time deal. Temporary. But he gave all that he had to Isaac. It speaks of an inheritance that's forever which is what we're looking at through the promises that God gave to Abraham. Now, this whole thing caused a lot of contention in the hearts, in the heart and family of Abraham. Because God said, no, it's not going to be through Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac. And so Abraham is thinking, that's not going to happen then. How's that going to happen? They have Ishmael through Hagar, and he figures that's the plan. No, God says it's not. And so when God says, no, it's going to be through, this, through the seed through Sarah, God says he loved Ishmael. Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He loved Ishmael. And Ishmael, I think, is an interesting study, which we won't get into this morning. But what, what, what can we expect happened to Ishmael? It's a good study. Abraham loved Ishmael, his son. Ishmael loved his father. And so that's why Ishmael came back for his funeral. So it's just as God had promised. Now, it says the sons of the concubines there, he sent them away eastward. That would be in the area of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Now, I have a piece of paper up here, a green map, if you want to look at those names where they are. But that's where he sent them to. He sent them eastward to that place uh, in, in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Now, let's go to verse 9. We'll come back to 7 and 8. I want to focus on that in regard to living a, uh, a legacy. Leaving a, le a legacy. But verse 9 and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre. So Ishmael comes back for his father's funeral. They bury him in this cave. So the cave was opened up again. And Abraham, now 38 years later, is laid beside his princess, Sarah. And, they, and, and then that cave was sealed again. And may I say, Abraham and Sarah were awaiting a resurrection. There are others that would be buried in the same cave. But the cave being in the promised land, Abraham saying, this is what God promised me, though he had none of it, except a little cave. Now Sarah's going to be put in, and other, his other, the other heirs will also be in there. So it was this place where God was known to reveal himself, this Berlahoy Roy. 
that, we, that it talks about. Isaac liked this place. And so he, was, he would go there. It's where Hagar, Ishmael's mother, first met God. In Genesis chapter 16, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees, Hagar. For she said, Have I also, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahoy Roy. Observe, it is between Kedesh and Bered. So here is where uh, Hagar in fleeing from Sarah, wound up and met God. Very, very sacred place. It's here where Isaac was meditating in Beer Lahoy Roy when who comes back but the camels and the, and the servant, Eleazar, with Rebekah. That's where Isaac was. So here we have this special place where one of many things, God answered prayers. So that's the Beer Lahoy Roy that we're talking about, where God blessed his son, and Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahoy Roy. So Abraham dies. Now God blesses his son Isaac up close and personal. His father is now gone and says that God blessed his son Isaac in verse 11. Now, again, we are heirs of the same promises given to Abraham through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. Look at what it says in Romans. The Spirit himself bears witness our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, John says we've been given the right to be called the children of God. How? By believing in Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the right to say, I am. We sang it this morning. I am a child of God. I'm no longer subject to fear. I'm a child of God. Perfect love casts out fear. You know, I was thinking this week on this idea. God, the ultimate vulnerability that we have is before God. All things, Hebrews, are naked and open before the eyes of him whom we must give account. So the, the, the greatest vulnerability is before God because he knows all things. Now, when you're vulnerable with people who even love you, particularly those who don't, when they know something about you, they can take that and use it against you. God never does that. Ever. He's not shaming us. He's not going to... No, God intimately... We have the right to be called the children of God. And in that relationship, we are secure. We are safe. We are protected. We are loved. Would you say amen? That's what we have. We have the right to be called the... And so he says there, we are heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. The Christian life is not an easy life. But let me say this. It's worth it. I am a child of God. Whatever I might be going through in this life, God's promised to me an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for me. And I say, amen, God. I'm all in. Verse 12. Now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael. And so there are 12 nations. Look at verse uh, 16. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes according to their nation. God promised Abraham, Hagar, that's exactly what would happen. He would have 12 nations. And so it's just what God promised. God's faithful to his promises. And so he said, this is what's going to happen. And it happened just like God said it would. Verse 17, these were the years of the life of Ishmael. 
137 years, and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They dwelt from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, as you go toward Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren. So the pattern in the Bible, if you haven't noticed this or didn't know this, the pattern in the Bible, the pattern of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures is that the rejected line, in this case Ishmael, is given first and then set aside and not mentioned again except in a genealogy. In this case with Ishmael in First Chronicles, it's mentioned again, the same genealogy, exact same. Then once that happens, the promised and prophesied lineage leading to Jesus Christ is continued. Then, in this case, after about 1,800 years of recorded Old Testament history from Isaac, and then another 400 more years called the silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's between the Old Testament prophets of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, that the promise came that we read in Matthew chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Just the, the whole text brings forth this promised lineage who culminates in the revelation of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist arriving on the scene, the forerunner, the Elijah, if you will, to Jesus Christ. It's just what God said to Abraham way back when and built it, built it, built it. So the promised prophesied seed, the descendant of Abraham, is Jesus Christ. And through him, we are heirs of the inheritance given to us because of what he accomplished for us. The descendant Isaac leading to Christ. The descendant David leading to the king that God promised through David would come is Jesus Christ. So it's all just as God had promised. So let me, let's go back to verses 7 and 8. I want to give you three thoughts in returning to these verses. In leaving a living legacy. Number one, a genealogy. My God is faithful. Secondly, a good old age. How many want to die in a good old age? Nobody? <laughs> You're already old, yeah. Is it a good old age? We're going to look at that. A good old age, my faith in God. I want to leave a living legacy of faith in God. Well, centered between these two things we're going to talk about is my faith in God. If I don't have faith in God, there's no way I'm going to leave that for, someone, for my kids. Do you have faith in God? That is, a, Are you going to die at a good old age where you saw God working in your life and it was a good old age? Third, there's this gathering that I am a part of the family of God. And that's what we're going to see as we look at just some thoughts from my heart to you. I trust from the Holy Spirit to us. So, this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. So, first of all, a genealogy. My God is faithful. In other words, a living legacy that says, my God is faithful. My wife, Charlotte, said that if she knew that she was going to be 36 before she got married, that would have been really hard. Because all she ever wanted to do was be married and have a family. But then she met me and said it was worth the wait. <laughs> I, I, it's true. I, I don't know why. but Anyway, I want to tell you, the poignant moment in our, in our wedding ceremony was when she came down the aisle to... to 
Great is thy faithfulness. That was a song that she came down the aisle to. God is faithful. And he has proven himself over and over and over. My God is faithful. When I'm faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself, the scriptures tell us. That is a living legacy. My God is faithful. So on either side of Abraham's funeral are these genealogies. The faithfulness of God. Before it's the children of Keturah, verses 1 through 4. After it's Ishmael, Abraham's son, genealogy. And all through the years, before and after, God is always faithful. The promise of God's coming with Abraham did not end at his death. Because God is faithful. He said, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. And what God's telling Abraham is, you can't count it. He said, I'm going to make you as the number of the stars in the heavens, if you can count them. He said to him, I'm going to make nations of you and kings are going to come. That had not happened when he died. Because God is faithful. He's going to move his plan forward using our lives as a part of him doing just that. He is faithful, though I am faithless. And he takes our lives and he weaves into our lives his plan as a part for our lives, as a part of his whole plan to bring Jesus into our lives and make a difference in this world. God is the faithful God. Look at what he said to Israel, Deuteronomy. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his command. Now, right before this, he said, I didn't choose you because you're some great people. I chose you because I loved you. And then he says this to them. A thousand generations, conservatively, 20 to 25,000 years. God is faithful. Always has been and always will be. Numbers chapter 23. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Let me tell you, you can bet, literally bet your soul on God's faithfulness through Jesus Christ for our salvation and so many other things that come from that relation. It's just what God promised. He's faithful. Secondly, a good old age, my faith in God. In other words, a living legacy is my God is good to grow. Or I thought it's good to go, and it's both. My God is good. He's good to grow. In other words, we need to have a legacy of a growing faith in God. We begin as infants, if you will. We're born again, and then we're growing. And a living legacy is the testimony of my faith that God is good, and because he is good, I grow. Genesis chapter, now this is opposed to a bad old age. In Genesis chapter 47, this is Jacob said to Pharaoh. Now, the, the story is that Jacob, well, let me let, let's let Jacob say it. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. This is Isaac's son, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And notice what he says. Are 130 years. Few and evil 
have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. He's saying, I've had a tough life. Now, he's standing before Pharaoh, and if you know the story at all, it's the story of Joseph, which is an incredible, we'll get to this, incredible story, incredible picture of Jesus Christ. So here's Joseph. His brothers sell him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt, and they go back and tell Jacob, hey, the animals must have got him. Is this his coat? And he is, he is distressed because he loved Joseph. So Joseph's gone. Now then the famine comes into the land. And so he has to send his sons down to get food in Egypt. And little do they know that Joseph is now reigning in Egypt. He's the one taking care of all the food storage. And they go and stand before him. It's an incredible story. And he, they have no idea this is Joseph. He's speaking another language. And he says, okay, I, here are my brothers who sold me into slavery. So he said, ah, you're spies, you're spies. We're not spies. And then, and then they tell him about their father. They tell him about their young brother, Benjamin, who's back home. And they tell him the whole story. And Joseph is, being, is so moved, he has to split to the back room and cry, come back out. He's not, he's not holy. He, he's he's, he's going to be testing them to see, has anything changed? So back they go, and they find out, well, the money's in the sack and all this stuff. So they go back to, to, to Jacob, and they say, you know, and, and he had left uh, Simeon there. So, well, the guy said we're spies, so we have to leave Simeon and a lot of us. So they have their food, and for however long it was, they're eating their food, and they're running out of food. So now they got to go back to Egypt, and the brothers say to their dad, hey, he said, unless we bring Benjamin, he's not going to see us. And so Jacob, in all these things that have happened in his life, and I, you know, if you know Jacob at all, you know he brought a lot of it on himself just like we do. He had a tough life, but he was a conniver. He was a guy that's always trying the angles and all those kinds of things. So Jacob finally says, okay, Joseph's no more. Simeon's no more. If, if Benjamin's going to be no more. And then he said this. All, you ever say this? All things are against me. All things. Little did he know just the opposite was true. Because as they go down to Egypt with Benjamin, hmm, Joseph reveals himself to them. And they come back and get their dad and go to Egypt. And then he's standing before Pharaoh, saying, evil, few and evil have been the years. And he's, he's recounting his life, all of these difficult things. He lived another 17 years in Egypt. What do you think God was doing? He's changing his disposition. Because <laughs> we read in Genesis 48, he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom, my, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let the name be, let my name be, be named upon them, Ephraim and Manasseh and Ephraim, switch them around, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude. God in 17 years says, Abraham, I ain't done yet. I want you to know that though it may be meant for evil, God meant it for good. And Jacob, in those 17 years in Egypt, what happened? He saw his grandkids. Now, that will change your disposition at any time. 
He got to see Ephraim, Manasseh. He got to see his, and, and God just said, Jacob, you look back at your life 17 years ago, and you're saying, it's hard, it's tough, it's evil, all these things. And now I'm not done. And he begins to show him behind the scenes, if you will, how he was working. And may I say to you, brothers and sisters, there's a behind the scenes thing that God's doing in your life and my life. And a living legacy is my faith in God. And through the years, as we walk with God, there are those times when we get a momentary glimpse into God's faithfulness and God's goodness, where he begins to sort of revamp the landscape and show us what he was doing that we never saw, never understood before. That's what God does. A good old age is my faith in God. And if you're still standing, if you're still above ground, he's not done yet. He's still working in your life. The sum of Abraham's years, 175 years. Do you know that 75 of those were lived not in faith? A hundred years in faith when God called him. And so this process, if I can encourage you, of growing in our faith in God. The life of the child of God is this process of growing from faith to faith. It's this process of going from glory to glory. God's not done yet. The life of the child of God is, being, is this process of being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And then he says this, Paul in Romans, just as by, of 2 Corinthians, just as by the Spirit of God. God is not done. And I want to encourage you this morning. He's not done in your life. He's not done in my life. He's got other things he's yet to show me. And then we read this. In the ages to come. He's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You think this is something? You get this little revelation here, wait till we're there. In the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever we might see of God in this life, you ain't seen nothing yet. God is good. My faith in him. So this journey, this pilgrimage is filled with faith to faiths and glories to glory because God's not done. He is faithful. He will complete that which he started. And so we always land again on the solid, sure, and steadfast faithfulness of God. I may be faithless. He is faithful. He cannot deny himself. So this living legacy of a growing faith in God. I want to give you three things that came to mind. It's not going to be up on the screen. But there are three things that Abraham brings to us in the chapters of the New Testament, which are chapters of his life. Three things. Number one, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Secondly, our citizenship is in heaven. And third, discipleship on earth. The lordship of Jesus Christ, our citizenship is in heaven, and our discipleship is is on the earth. That is what we want to leave as a legacy. So for Abraham, he led a, a living legacy of salvation by faith. In other words, the lordship of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised from you, you will be saved. And Abraham's life is the, what, what Paul used in Romans and then Galatians and then the book of Hebrews that speaks about his faith being counted as righteousness. His whole legacy was salvation is by faith in God's promises. We've, we have received this incredible inheritance because of Jesus. 
and that our salvation is by faith. So what did we receive? Number one, the Jewish nation. The chosen people of God through whom he would bring forth this Messiah. This is through Abraham. What do we also receive? The Jewish Messiah, the promised son of God, came through Abraham. He's, this is this inheritance from him to us. And here's one, the Jewish scriptures, the word of God, by which we have the knowledge of God. It came through Abraham and the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. Abraham was saved by faith. David was saved by faith. The Gentiles are saved by faith. That's the message. That's the legacy that Abraham left to us. Secondly, a living legacy of walking by faith. The citizenship is in heaven. In other words, the legacy of Abraham's pilgrimage. That's what he left for us to follow. A stranger whose home is not this world. That's the legacy. And brothers, as I'm sharing, it's, it's to us through Abraham and God's promises, but then it's in our lives being real that then hands that off to those people that we love. We are saved by grace through faith. Salvation is by faith in Christ. We are citizens of heaven. So this pilgrimage, we're strangers. This is not our home. Secondly, it's a hope that we have in longing for that country, for that city, for that kingdom. It's the confidence that we have in what we do not yet see. That's the legacy given to us by Abraham, that we ourselves live and live it out. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we're waiting. We're waiting for a country, a city, a kingdom. And then a legacy of living a faithful life life. Abraham did that. He was faithful in all his house. So this discipleship on earth is us living out these other two, that salvation is by faith, we're citizens of heaven. And now what does that look like? And Abraham has told us he walked with God. He was a friend of God. And in his legacy, it was a being faithful in all his house. And I believe it starts in our homes. Secondly, of being an example in his obedience to God. That's a legacy that we want to leave. Third, of being a friend of God in all of his works. James talks about that. These chapters in the Bible that center us on this, the father of our faith. Salvation by faith. The lordship of Jesus Christ. Now we are on a pilgrimage. We're citizens of heaven. And that as we're on earth, there's, we are to be making disciples. And it starts in our home, and it starts with our children, we who are married and have family. That's where it starts. And Abraham off, handed off to Isaac these things. Isaac saw it up close and personal. He watched it. He saw it happen. He saw it unfolding. He was a part of it all the way along. He saw his, Abraham's faith in God. Now, he said he lived 170 years. Know this. That was not by chance. Abram had a determined number of days that God gave to him to live on earth. The very day of his death was decreed by God. Now, do I understand that? I don't. But let me say this. It's the same for you and it's the same for me. An old man full of the complement of days and months that added up to years. And we read in Psalm 139. Your eyes saw my subs being yet unformed. And in your book, they all written what? The days fast when as yet there were none of them. 
He knows the days of your life. Mine also. Now, I want to share something a little personal nature. I don't think I've done this before, but this is a picture here of two vases that I have in my office. And TJ, Pastor TJ, shared this illustration with me, and I said, I'm going to actually do that. And so what I did is I, I got two vases, and you put a, in, in, in the one vase, well, you, you take marbles, and every marble represents a month. And you might say, well, I think you've lost your marbles. <laughs> I did it. This is two or three years ago. So I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get two vases, and in one vase are the years that I've already lived, and the other is what I hope to have left or maybe God has left for me. So I said, I'm going to, so I, I ordered 1,000 marbles, and I, I got the bag of 1,000 marbles. It turned out there were 1,041 marbles. So I said, okay, I'm just going to say that's how I'm going to live, 1,041 months, 1,041 marbles. Now, with that, that would take me to 86 years and 10 months which means the marbles will run out March 17th, 2040. Is this weird? Okay. Okay, let me say this. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. It depends how this body goes. Okay, so let me say this. I have a giveaway this morning. Okay, I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. And I have one for second service also. Okay. So I bought this bag of marbles, count them out, 1,041. I said, okay, I'm going to do like that woman who... Elijah said, go and fill the, fill the oil. And, you know, and so she went and filled all the vases with oil, brought them back, and said, that was it. And so that's how long it lasted. I said, I'm just going to say, okay, let's say I last 1,041 marbles. <laughs> so on that little green card, I have these scriptures. Psalm 39.4. We get to that. Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Second one, Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And then I have this one on there, Ephesians, because it's a very meaningful verse to me, almost a life verse, but I'm not quite sure on that. So then see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I added this picture, which is not in the vase. I added it about a year ago. It says, time is precious. Don't waste it. And I also hung it up on our refrigerator. I love that picture. So this is something that I do now. I was born May 17, 1953. So every 17th of the month on my calendar, and I have it circled, I get a marble and I take it out of one and put it together. And so I have, however long, a few more marbles left. But I want to encourage you, whatever it takes, and I want to especially encourage you young people. Because I think, as myself, I was talking to my son this morning. I talked to him every morning. He's in Texas, Trevor. And we're talking. I said, so do you ever think about I said, is this too morbid? <laughs> do you ever think about that? And he said, and I said, I didn't either when I was your age. In fact, it's only been in the last few years that I've started considering this whole thing that there's an appointed time that I have. I don't know what that is, but I'll tell you what. I want to be reminded at least once a month that I'm, it's, it's numbered. My life is numbered. How many days I'm going to have? And I want to, so to the young people, you see, to be successful in the old age, you got to start in young age. Small intentional investments yield an incredibly rich dividend. And I wasted. And, I, and when I came back to the Lord in Costa Mesa in 1976, I sat in the pews of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and I wept as though the Lord was saying to, I was saying to the Lord, 
What a waste of a few years of my life in prodigal living. A waste. But God is able to redeem those years. And I'm thankful. Now, my mom and dad were a little worried about me. And I was so thankful that they saw God faithful in their son's life, who they were praying for and praying for and praying for. You have some children you're praying for? Don't stop. You keep at it because God's faithful. I'm a testimony of that. And he's answering the prayers even though I don't even know they're going on. I said to my mom and dad, why did you put up with me? Be in your house and living like others. They say, well, we just want to know where you were. And so we pray for you. However you want to handle that, but know this. Just the time to think about your time is now. It's today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. First day of the rest of my life. Lord, teach me to number my days that I may know how frail I am. We just don't know when the last day is up. And I say, your life is all in front of you as it is me. Don't look back except to take heed and take heart. And then I say, look forward. Take the hand of God and and ask him to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ask him to show you the path of his will for your life, the choices and decisions you're making, that he can lead you by his hand. All along, my Savior leads me. It's a testimony. The legacy. The gospel of Jesus Christ, our salvation, is a gift from God that frees us from all of our sin. It's the gift of hope by which we can assuredly and joyfully embrace all of our mortality because it's hope. He has gifted us with the greatest and most powerful motivation that any human being will ever experience. And that is the infinite, eternal love of the infinite, eternal God. That's the motivation of the gospel. That's the motivation to number our days because God. And the final one, just briefly, is there's going to be a gathering. Gather together, it says there, to his people. Now, I looked this little phrase up. It's interesting. Seven times. Gathered to his people, gathered to his people, spoken of Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. Ishmael, Ishmael's in there too. That's why I think it's an interesting study. Three times gathered to his people is spoken to Aaron, the priest of Moses, with Moses, his brother. But then you have this little different, a little different phrase of Moses, getting numbers in Deuteronomy, where God said to him, you're going to be gathered to your people. Now, I think that's quite comical because all along the way with Moses and God, God's saying they're your people. Moses said, no, they're your people. No, they're your people. And so God said to Moses, when you die, you're going to be gathered to your people. And I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Here's the deal. In a very key passage on resurrection, when Jesus was being challenged as far as resurrection, we read in Mark chapter 12, Jesus answered them, are you not mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, now notice the four names, are like the angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? 
He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Let me say this. The legacy we're leaving, the testimony is, he is the God of the living. This is just temporary. This is a vapor. But one day, we're going to be gathered together to our people, the family of God. The question is, have you made your reservation? Have you been born into the, spirit, into the family of God? Because only through birth, or being born again, can you, can you have, do you have the right to be called the child of God? I'm getting excited. <laughs> when we breathe our last, it's just the beginning of everlasting life. So the question is, we bow our hearts to pray. Worship team comes up. The question is, do you know Jesus this morning?